Likute Sikha is Chelek Chapalif, Volume 21, the first Sikha for Parshas Truma. This is Sikha's a fascinating insight into the concept of contributing to and the construction, the building of the Mishkan and its application to our times. Just as a introduction, just to familiarize ourselves, the word Truma, which is the name of the Parsha, means a gift, an offering, a donation. Literally, it means lifting up, because when you take and you donate, you're lifting up from your possessions and giving it to Hashem. So, everything in the Torah is precise, meaning nothing is just arbitrary or ambiguous. Therefore, when we see the name of a parasha, it follows that it's not just merely for identification purposes, but rather, and also not just because it happens to be, so to speak, the first unique word in the parsha, something unique that can separate it and identify it different than other, all other parshas, but rather, like the Baal Shem Tov also stresses, that the name of a thing, the name, anything that something is called in Lashon HaKodesh, in original biblical Hebrew, that is the energy, that is, so to speak, the essence of the thing. So it would follow that the name of the parsha has significance, has importance. Moreover, if the name of the parsha in this case, for example, in Parsha's Truma, was merely arbitrary and just a means of identification, then the name should have been V'yikhu, because that is the first unique word when you compare it to all the Parshas. Because when you start with the first verse, you know, Hashem spoke to Moshe, that isn't unique, that doesn't stand out. But the word V'yikhu, after it says, Dabra Bnei Yisrael V'yikhu, and they shall take, that already is something unique. That is already different than any other parsha, And that should have been the name of the parsha. But no, the name of the parsha is Truma. So from all this, it comes out that the word Truma expresses the essence, the whole point, the whole objective of the parsha. But the question is, it would seem that the whole point of our parsha is not about the Truma, is not about the offering, the donations that they gave, but more, mostly, and perhaps totally, it's about the construction, the details of the construction of the, of the Mishkan. Right? And that, the fact that you have to give a truma, the fact that Hashem wanted Moshe to encourage the people to contribute to it, that's only a minor detail. In other words, that isn't the, the, what it seems, at least on the surface, that doesn't seem to be the sum total of the Parsha. And if you think about it, the idea of truma, the idea of contributing, the idea of lifting up, quote-unquote, isn't unique to the Mishkan, to the construction of the Mishkan. In fact, we find it in many other places in the Torah. One classical example that comes to mind is a farmer after collecting the harvest, needs to give truma. And that truma becomes holy and it's given to the Kohen. So what makes this Parsha so unique? What is this idea of truma so unique here, so special here, that the entire Parsha is called truma? And the Rebbe says to add to this, we'll ask even a very general question here. From the fact that we said that it seems that the main point, the main thrust of the Parsha, the whole idea here, if you had to sum it up, is about the construction of the Mishkan. So then it would seem 
that it would make more sense for the parsha to begin with what is actually the eighth verse, the pasuk ches in the parsha, the that Hashem says they shall make for me a sanctuary and I'll dwell amongst them. Meaning that seems to be the whole point of the parsha. So why then does the parsha begin? In other words, not only that it's called truma, but you see the Torah begins first several verses up to eight verses where it describes the truma that they have to give truma, what the truma is, and only then does it go to the so to speak second order of business, which is to build a mishkan. It feels like it seems like that's the main order of business here. Then why even go in to the whole thing? Another thing, if you think about it. The idea of Truma and the idea of the building of the Mishkan, that verse, Hashem says they will make a Mishkan, and I will dwell in it, seems to be contrary. They seem to actually be contradictory. In other words, there are two various, the two opposite aspects of things. The Truma, what is Truma? Truma is that the person gives. Truma means it comes from the person. How much the person wants to give. In fact, that's what the Pasik says. May Ace call Ish Asher from whatever a person's heart desires to give. Whereas the idea of the Shina resting, the Shina permeating this Mishkan, this sanctuary, this is something which is Hashem's prerogative. This comes from Hashem. Hashem is the one who does it. So it seems to be two opposites. How is it or why is it that the Torah begins first with the truma, first with the idea of what they should contribute, and only then does it uh, go over to talking about the details of the actual construction of the Mishkan and how Hashem will dwell in it. So to understand this, we'll first introduce a very general question that can also be asked here. By understanding this, we'll get a better perspective, a better appreciation, and it'll help us through all of this. You see, the real question here is, why in the first place, why at all, does the Torah go into all the details of the Mishkan? Why tell it to us at all? There is an expression that the sages use sometimes in the Talmud and the Gemara, which says, what was, was, meaning what happened in the past happened. In other words, if there isn't a practical value in us knowing it, and when I say practical, I mean something that will, will actually result and express itself in a practice, in a practical means in our life, then there's no point in us knowing it. In other words, that's not what the Torah is about. The Torah is not about giving us you know, historical sketches of the past and you know, filling us with interesting information from what happened in the past. That's not what it's about. So what value is there in the Torah telling us all about, in detail, about the, the, the dimensions and the materials and the construction of the Mishkan when it seems to have no relevance to our time? You see, when we learn, for example, and study the details of the, of the, of the construction, the, uh, the dimensions, the materials, and all the laws that pertain to building the Bati Mikdashes, the two Beis Mikdash. That has a relevance to our times, even though the Beis Mikdash, as we stand now, is not in existence, is destroyed. But the fact is, number one, we need to be prepared. We need to know when Mashiach comes, we need to know how to construct it. So therefore, we have to actively know the Halachas. Number two, there's a rule 
that when we, even when we just merely discuss the laws of the Beis HaMikdash, in other words, when we talk about the building of the Beis HaMikdash, it is, becomes considered as if we're building the Beis HaMikdash. We get the, so to speak, the reward of the mitzvah of building the Beis HaMikdash. But that's only when it comes to the Beis HaMikdash, which had a permanence, which is meant to be permanent in, in its idea, even though they were destroyed, but they'll once again come back in its third form, which will include the first and the second Beis HaMikdash. Whereas the Mishkan, Lechatchila, meaning to begin with, it was designed, it was designated to be of a temporary nature. So it would seem to hold no practical value for us nowadays. So the question is, why does the Torah Bichlal talk about it? Why does the Torah talk about it at all, and especially in such detail as we have in our Parsha? So for the fact that the Torah does talk about it, that must lead us to a conclusion that the Mishkan is relevant the concept, the idea of building the Mishkan is relevant to our times, is relevant to us, has a practical uh, application to us. What is it? What is it? It was just merely a temporary edifice which was designed to be temporary until such time that you can build a permanent one. So why is it that we, how does it apply? How does this aspect, this idea apply to our days? So the Rebbe says, in the Medrash, we find a very interesting debate. In other words, it's, it, there's two, what seems to be two conflicting midrashes, but really the Rebbe says it's not a conflict. The conflicting midrashes is, the midrash discusses exactly when did the Shekhinah come down to the earth? Exactly when did God pre- God's presence rest here in the earth? One midrash, which is, makes up this opinion, is that when it says, quote, Hashem came down on Mahar Sinai, when Hashem came down on Mount Sinai to deliver the Torah, that's when the Shekhinah came down to the world. The other Medrash says, no, in the day that the Mishkan was built and inaugurated, that's when the Shekhinah came down to the world. Now we know that in general there's a rule, especially in, in this type of debate, you can't argue about fact, number one. Number two, whenever possible, in, especially in Talmudical debates, we try to always minimize the, the uh, dispute. In other words, we always try to find a way that reconciles the two opinions. And the expression is Maravachada, Maravachada Pligi. That you know, the, the, this master said one thing, this master said another thing, but they don't really argue. Meaning they're both talking about two sides of the same coin, if I may. In other words, they're both speaking about two aspects, two phases of the very same thing, of the Shekhinah coming down to the earth. It's just that each one emphasizes what seems, in accordance to his opinion, what seems to be, so to speak, the highlight or the most important um, uh, impact of that of this entire idea of this entire aspect. But but they both agree that this came down in these two phases. So the Rebbe says, we look at it this way: by Matan Torah, when Hashem came down on Mount Sinai, true that the Shechina came down. As it says, Hashem Hashem But from whose prerogative was it? From who, so to speak, from whose effect? Who made this happen? This came El Milo. This came from Hashem. This came from Him. Whereas when it came, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, and you can see that it had an impact for the time that the Shechina was present on Mount Sinai. It was holy. And it was only to the extent that even Hashem forewarned that no one should come near, no one should touch it, and so on. However, the moment the signal was given, the moment the shofar sounded, and which was a sign that the Shekhinah had departed and gone back up, in that moment the mountain 
became a mountain like all mountains. And that's when Hashem clearly gives the instructions that that now when that signal is going to come, then all the elders, everybody can go up on the mountain. Why? Because it no longer will have the same presence of Shechina as it did during the Matan Torah. So you see that even though there was an effect, even though it came down from above, but it didn't permeate it, it didn't have the ultimate effect. Whereas in the building of the Mishkan, this came from the Mata. This came from below. This came from us. That we had to contribute. And as the Torah says and emphasizes over and over again, li mikdash, And they shall make it. Not I am going to bring my Shekhinah down. They shall make it. Then I'll bring my Shekhinah down. And as many times it says, tasu, And you shall make the Mishkan in such and such a manner. So since the ultimate purpose of the creation of the world, well, Hashem's ultimate objective was what? that there should be a dwelling place in the Tachtoinim, that means it has to come from the Tachtoinim, therefore there had to be this um, approach of Mikdash. it had to come about, it had to be affected by us making the Mishkan, by us bringing it um, to a point that Hashem can dwell in it. Now we'll appreciate, we'll understand this whole idea of the Truma, the Yikhuli Truma, that Hashem says, I take from me a truma. And this becomes the name of the parsha, which, like we said, indicates, it, it seems to, it, it implies that this is the essence, this is the whole idea of the parsha. Now we'll appreciate it. Because when it comes in the, in the idea of truma, where one contributes from their possessions and gives towards creating an edifice for the Shekhinah and gives towards a matter which is connected to the Shekhinah, which is connected to Hashem, and this gets expressed. But in the ultimate, ma- the ultimate matter, the idea of how it comes milmata, how it comes from us, from the mata, to create and, and to generate uh, a place of Kedusha, to bring a place for the Shekhinah. In fact, if you look in Rashi, Rashi explains the word truma to have two meanings. Number one, it means hafrasha, which means like to separate, to donate. Number two, he says it means harama. It comes from the etymology of the word harama, which means to lift up. And actually, these two interpretations of the word are, are not distinct from one another. They're actually connected to one another. And in other words, what it's saying is, not only does it describe the action of what a person does, but also in what manner it's, 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 getting, it's getting affected. In other words, the action is that you separate. The action is that it's going to get lifted up to Hashem. But it's also telling us, You should take a truma. From each and every person, according to what their hearts desires. Meaning, this is only going to be a little lifting up, a little separation from the sum total of what a person has. True, it's limited by, 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 by definition. When you say you're giving a donation, you're lifting up, you're lifting up from. You're not lifting up the whole thing, you're lifting up from it. So yes, it is a limited thing. However, this fully expresses exactly the value and the advantage, so to speak, of this manner of bringing down the Shekhinah, of this manner of the Shekhinah connecting to the world. That even though it seems partial, but it actually is more ultimate. Why? You see, when the Shekhinah comes from above, as it did on Har Sinai, it comes from Hashem's prerogative. True, it's overwhelming, and it's great, and it's a fantastic amount of Shekhinah, if I may. However, that is effect where everything gets affected equally. In other words, it just kind of 
just shadows over the entire world, shines over the entire world, that is. And at the end of the day, what it really affects is that it's mevatel everything. It kind of nullifies everything. The Shekhinah of the Kohl comes down in such an overwhelming manner that it doesn't really fully permeate and, so to speak, intimately connect to the inner workings of each aspect of the world or the aspects on which it's shining on. Why? Because it just kind of like overwhelms and just shines on everything. And that's why when it leaves, there's no effect. There's no residual effect. Look what happened by Harsina. However, when a person gives, when a person is toidem, a person lifts up from the thing. Lifting up means that now he elevated it and he became Kedusha. True, he was a frasha. It was a separation, which means he took from. He separated a small amount, even if it's a large amount, but compared to what's left, it's only a relative. It's only a a, um, a relatively uh, a big amount, but it's really small. It's really small compared to what's left. So therefore, it would seem that it's less significant. It would seem that it's less impactful. The answer is no. The answer is that it actually became elevated. It seems less, but really it's more. Because what was elevated, what was given to Hashem, that became permeated with Kedusha. Put it in practical words, by Matan Torah, there was Bitul Hatachten, there was the nullification, there was the overwhelming of the lower elements of the world. By the Mishkan, there was a refinement of the Tachman, albeit not everything, but what was given to the Mishkan, what was donated to the Mishkan, that became absolutely and fully refined. And this is the reason why the Torah goes into all the details of all the various types of donations they can give. The 13, or some say it's 15, separate types of, of uh, donations, whether it's this type of wool, that type of wool, boards, gold, silver. Why does the Torah go into all of these details? Because each one expresses a different aspect, a different, so to speak, means of elevation and refinement. Each one represents another aspect of the Gashmistical world being refined. And since it's coming from us, therefore goes into detail. Because detail here is, is what's really king. Detail here is what really matters. Even though detail by, by definition means that it's a limitation, but here the limitation is what really is the true, um, so to speak, the true purpose. Because taking what is limited and that within the limit, bringing it up and connecting it to Hashem. Every single detail counts. And now we can also understand why we talk about the Mishkan in general. Remember, we asked the question, why talk about it when it doesn't seem to be relevant to our times? Because the answer is that the whole idea behind building the Mishkan in the desert actually applies to us, especially to us now as we are in Gullahs, more so than the aspect of the Beis HaMikdash. That means the idea, the, the, the general concept of it. If you think about it, where was the Beis HaMikdash built? Where was it that designed to be built? In Eretz Yisrael. Once it became a holy land, once the Bnei Yisrael settled there and, and turned it into a holy place, now as even the world calls it, is the, the holy land, meaning that it's a place which is just susceptible and conducive to Kedusha, holiness. Over there, they built a base on Mikdash. Whereas the Mishkan, where was the Mishkan? The Mishkan was a temporary edifice. But where was it built? Where was it meant to? Where was it designed to, to so to speak, um, bring down, conduct 
and bring through it Kedusha, bring through it the Shechina, specifically in the desert, in a place which is not predisposed, a place which is not conducive in its own for Kedusha, for spirituality. In fact, the, Mishka, the, the desert is always referred to as a barren place, not just barren in a physical material sense, but in a spiritual sense, full of snakes and scorpions, all kind of negative, um, ne- negative uh, spiritual aspects. And yet there is where the Yidin succeeded, where we succeeded in donating to and constructing and through it bringing down the Shekhinah into this world. This actually is more, so to speak, compatible and more connects more with our times, with what we're going through in a time when we, when we, at, when we, when we don't necessarily seem to have a direct uh, conductiveness, a direct predisposition in the world to kedusha to the shechina. This is the message for us. You could build a mishkan, you should build a, build a mishkan, and the shechina will come down. And from this, we can also understand another very interesting thing: the whole mitzvah, all, and all the details of building the base of Mikdash, actually, and if you look at the Rambam, we learn from this Pasuk, which is written directly in reference to the Mishkan. That they should make for me an, a, a Mikdash, a sanctuary, and I'll dwell amongst them. This is said by the Mishkan. But this is the general mitzvah also for building the base of Mikdash, which has a permanence. Why? Because the essence, the idea of bringing down Kedusha is more expressed in the Mishkan than actually in the Beis HaMikdash, as we just explained. What's the Hayrah? What's the directive for us? Sometimes a person can feel like, quote, being in the desert. Sometimes we feel distant. Sometimes suddenly we feel very, so to speak, barren and empty when it comes to Kedusha. And we don't feel that connection. We don't feel that conduciveness. We don't feel that predisposition, so to speak, for Kedusha. And we feel so distant. And we may kind of fall into some kind of despair type of thoughts and think, you know, maybe I'm not capable. Maybe I'm not able. Maybe it's not just, it's not, it's not, it's not something that can happen to bring the Shekhinah to connect to Kedusha. And the answer is that that is specifically when Hashem tells you, Lift up some part of yourself. Give something from yourself and, quote, build a Mishkan and you're guaranteed that, yes, the Shekhinah will connect to you. The Shekhinah will come down.